Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Hi, welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton and today we're going to we're going to have a conversation with some of the members of our team. Frank Wasseter, Alona Wasseter, uh, Greg Columbus, uh, Rich McFadden, if Rich shows up. Rich is a little late. He's always a little late, but we'll, we'll hopefully he'll join us because he always has interesting things to say. And today we're looking to find out what's really going on with GameStop and with Reddit and with the uh, with the with the with the struggle of good versus evil and with short sellers on Wall Street. And Frank, what did I mention, Greg? Greg, Greg Corumbus. There you are. You did mention me. You forgot I Brian. <laughs> <laughs> forgot Brian McNichol. All right. Well, you know, guys, I'm I'm just learning how to do this five way. So, uh, Frank, you've been following this closely. What could you give us an overview about what's happening here? Because it's uh, this is in real time. Yeah. So you know, essentially, back in July, some of these these, these redditors, these uh, guys like deep in like the, the video game community, kind of figured out that. Uh, there was some weird stuff going on with GameStop. You know, there's, there's a video going back to it where they, you know, they put together this nice big detailed thesis and said essentially, you know, there is more uh, shorts, you know, meaning like you know, more borrowed shares to be sold than there are available, you know, shares of this company on the market. So sooner or later, you know, this is, this is going to go, go sideways. And, you know, if we just invest in it, you know, it will, will make money out of it. So they start this process in July and then things kind of, you know, start to explode uh, by January. And then all of a sudden it kind of comes out that, you know, as it turns out, one of like the, the, the biggest investors was Melvin capital that was shorting the stock. And within a couple of days, it just comes out that they, they've lost like $2.9 billion. They got to go to Citadel, um, which they had had a, a relationship uh, with to, to get more capital because, uh, you know, they only had about, you know, only had about $12.5 So they're looking at losing a quarter of their whole net worth. And then uh, this leads to news coverage. More people jump on it. So the stock price, you know, rockets from about a $5 point to at some point about $420. You know, and uh, at the end of it, Melvin's losing, you know, $6 billion uh, on, on a bad bet. And it just creates all this chaos. So it came out that, you know, um, they, that, that Citadel had been buying user data from, from Robinhood. And Robinhood had branded themselves as democratizing finance. And so uh, throughout this Robin, whole- Robin, Robin Hood's an online broker and you can trade through them without paying a fee. Right. Correct. You know, their big, their big thing is commission-free trades and uh, you, can, you can buy fractional, you know, like pieces of shares. Um, so they have this PR nightmare because them uh, and a bunch of other brokerage all of a sudden, you know, have a fear that they can't cover this, this, this tremendous amount of volume of people buying up GameStop. And as a result, you know, they have to lock down and restrict buying and selling. So they, they, they said for a period of days, you can only sell, you can't buy anything. 
And then afterwards they say, well, you can, you can buy, but you can only have one share. You can only have five shares. And throughout all of this, there's this, uh, you see this big, massive media campaign saying, you know, how bad, you know, Reddit is and they're, you know, trying to ruin the market. And, you know, they're a bunch of degenerates. They're doing all these, you know, nefarious things. And, you know, meanwhile, uh, you know, Reddit, like Financial Times even comes out and says, oh, you know, the Redditors are a bunch of alt-right, you know, uh, white supremacist guys. And then the Reddit guys called them out on it. And then so, so Financial Times is a disclaimer on that article where they had to retract it because they had zero basis whatsoever for saying that. And then you see uh, just, just this glorious amount, like Elon Musk coming out and tweeting about it. You see uh, Shamatha Palihaptia, which is a, a venture capitalist out of California who wants to, to run for governor there or, or, or seated that he wants to run for governor there. Yeah, we, we hope he does. Yeah, yeah, he's my superhero. He had a he had a great uh, interview with CNBC where he's just you know CNBC's towing the line of uh, Melvin Capital and Citadel over there, and uh, Shamatha saying you know it's it's totally hypocritical for you to say that you know what the redditors are doing is bad when we all know that you know these guys have idea dinners and things like that where they get together and. Um, so you see uh, what starts as a big, massive misinformation campaign. Well, there's um, the, yeah, there's the underlying reality. Well, there in Wall Street, there really is no underlying reality. It just it sort of it depends on sort of where you are. What you think is true depends on where you sit. And that's that's the reality of Wall Street. But, you know, let's let's to just amplify a bit. Reddit is an online app and they've got subgroups in Reddit. I just found this out. I joined. And the subgroup that's focused on this stock or the, this group of stocks um, is called Wall Street Bets. Right. Yeah. And there were a couple hundred thousand people in it, and now in the last six months, it's grown to two and a half million. It's up to eight point two million now. Okay. And it's like they got like two million people in the past like twenty four hours. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Ryan, what do you 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 you've done some? <clears throat> well, yeah, there, you you were talking about. Uh... You know, the, the reaction, the thing that has caught my attention is the reaction from, you know, the society at large, the media and so forth, you know, and, and like you're searching for bad guys here, you know, and, they're, and the, the media is standing up for, you know, big institutional investors against young rebels. And, you know, I'm not sure either of those, those uh, images work. I guess they, you know, obviously there are some institutional investors on one side of this or the ones taking the the path. But as you said, you know, uh, Frank, there's, you know, the characterization of who the other who the people profiting from this right now are, you know, it, it has been, you know, they just basically made up bad stuff to say about people. There's a guy on, um, I guess, CNBC yesterday, or no, uh, MSNBC. And these are guys who sit in their basement, playing video games, and they should go out and get girlfriends and lead productive lives, you know, and it's like you know they're 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 participating how do they, how in the do they market. know it's how do they know it's not the girlfriends doing the trading that's right i mean that's yeah very... the first thing is like this guy just acted as if it was all guys and you know no women took part in this you know it, it, it's the, the like characterizations were ridiculous well let me let me provide a little context and then i want to hear greg and alona's uh, points of view uh Context is this, the, this, this strategy of, of shorting public companies has been around for decades and it's been a specialty 
of a subset of hedge funds. Hedge funds have got all sorts of different trading strategies, long, short, short only, um, et cetera. And, you know, they're momentum traders, they're, they're, and, and so on and so forth. So there's Rich McFadden. Hey, Rich, I'm glad you got up. Hey, <laughs> I'm here for you, man. Okay. Hey, we need you. Uh, anyway, so th this has been around for years and, and, you know, the short way to describe it is there's something, a strategy called short and, uh, short and distort, which is where you take a position in a stock and then you get out and tell a story uh, that makes it sound much worse than it is. And the hedge funds have been very good at picking companies that have sort of weaknesses, whether they're regulated by, you know, by the financial regulators or in the case of biotech companies by the FC or the F FDA. Um, where there's there's a, a complex company, hard to understand and and easy to distort the true picture. Well, in the case of GameStop, it was a it was a bricks and mortar retailer of, of computer games. And Frank, you guys know a lot more about this than I do, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And they got to figure out what to do with what 5,500 locations, 6,000 locations. Um, it's not a growth business on paper. And then, so this was one of the targets. And then another target was AMC theaters. And we all know the, the theaters have been dark for six months because of the, uh, the, uh, the pandemic lockdowns. And so the hedge funds have been good at targeting this. And what I think most people don't know is that 25 years ago in 1996, there were twice as many public companies traded as there are now. There are roughly 7,500 almost 8,000 companies. And that now numbers dwindled to about 3,400. And part of the reason it's the regu complex regulatory environment uh, to, uh, that the, the public companies are in, and it's expensive to be public, but also the small and, and mid-cap companies are incredibly vulnerable to somebody taking a big position in the stock and either driving it down or, or you know, that's more often the case. Sometimes they try to drive it up. And they did this with impunity for you know the last 20 years or so. And now all of a sudden on the internet, in Reddit, in this team of uh, what are we calling ourselves, Wall Street bets, there are a group of small investors that decide, well, we're gonna take the other side of the trade. And by the way, we can all communicate with each other. You know, the, the hedge funds do their, their dinners uh, where they exchange ideas and, and they do a lot more than that. They collaborate on who's going to do what, when. Uh, but now the little guy's doing that. And the, the hedge funds are like a $3 trillion segment of the market. And the hedge funds have become very ensconced. They're part of the establishment now. And in fact, there's this notion of regulatory capture where if you're regulated um, by an agency in DC, the industry works to get the regulator you know on their side and i think hedge funds have largely done that with the sec and so the, the environment such that, re re regulation right yeah and they're cruising along they're, they're cruising along making money they're they're taking taking stocks out uh, via short selling year after year and now we get this new thing and i think it's terrific um what's the danger there bill what's what, what could this new scenario of these Robin Hoods running around uh, fighting the big guy, uh, what, what kind of chaos could they create because they don't maybe know the system as well as the big guys that are manipulating it every day? Well, I think the, the you know, the, 
the thing that's happened in the last five years, 10 years, certainly the last few years, is that the information advantage that hedge funds and institutional yeah. traders had has virtually disappeared. You know, with the internet and 24 seven uh, communication, chat boards, things like that, it's, it's the edge that you might've had, you know, when I was on Wall Street and in the 70s and 80s and part of the 90s, you know, it's a totally different landscape. So. These, these people, if you go onto the Reddit site, you see a lot of these people writing very thoughtful papers about what this company is really worth and what it isn't worth. So the that's a good thing. That means you got more people in the market deciding what things are worth. Uh, and that the bad thing is if you're one of these smaller traders is that you know, you're putting your, your, home, your own um, net worth at, at stake, you could lose all your money playing this game, but I think they know that. I mean, the, the, um, the, the chat on, on Reddit is, is great fun. I mean, Frank, do you, you want to give us some chat on uh, some example of dialogue on Reddit? <laughs> so, you know, it, and it's maybe it may, this makes it a little bit easy for, you know, uh, mainstream media to kind of villainize them, but there's a very unique culture uh, that goes on that's it's very deeply steeped in, in video games where it's funny to be, you know, to be stupid or to do, you know, dumb things. So it's incredibly, you know, quote unquote, vulgar. So they'll refer to themselves constantly um, and as dumb, retarded, autistic apes. So it's hilarious to be autistic, meaning that they're obsessing, you know, over something to a point, you know, well beyond uh, what's reasonable. And, you know, the whole idea at this point is that it's not even about making money for a lot of them. It's like, you know, yeah, okay, if we made a little bit, it's fine. But uh, they're saying, you know, we got diamond hands. We're going we're gonna to hold it until the stock reaches 10000 in price. And uh, my, my favorite quote of all time is uh, one Redditor comes back and says, Melvin Capital is learning not to fuck with weaponized autism. And uh, <laughs> so, like, this is the humor. This is the... You know, this, this is, this is, like I said, it's, it's incredibly vulgar. It's incredibly, um, you know, it, it's off the wall. And if you're not part of the culture, it's, uh, why would it, why is it cool to refer to yourself as these people? But, uh, this is a, a segment, a millennial, a millennial group segment that mostly grew, grew up playing video games together and is used to getting together in a group of strangers, uh, you know, playing World of Warcraft or, you know, online games and, and you know, doing coordination amongst, you know, 40, 50, 100 strangers, and like it's no big deal, like we're just going to do it. And that, it's like that, getting together and playing baseball. That, that makes them a very worthy adversary of the hedge funds. Yeah. Greg, got a thought? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of thoughts here. First of all, interesting bedfellows on the reaction to this. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, who has been hating Wall Street and the big banks, all of a sudden talks about the need for regulation. And uh, all of a sudden, she's not on the side of the little guy anymore. But uh, you got the Shark Tank guys like Kevin O'Leary and Mark Cuban out there cheering them on all the way. Uh, Dave Portnoy of Barstool, who's putting together the Small Business Relief Fund, thinks it's a great thing. But uh, before we all cheer the storming of the Bastille here, Bill, you've been on the institutional side before. And while I'm sure you don't like a lot of the regulations, they do provide guardrails of what you can expect. So if you were still really actively in the game uh, and in that business, how would you have reacted to all of these people coming in and trying to uproot the market like that? 
Well, I think I didn't really, I was in the private equity world, so I wasn't as much involved in the day-to-day -day trading. Thank goodness. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a incredibly tough, tough, tough game. Um, I think back then, and even now I'd welcome more people coming into coming into the market. Uh, I think the risk here, Greg, to your, to Rich, to your question, the risk is mm -hmm. we get a regulatory overreaction and We've had yeah. time after time after time, we've had regulatory overreactions. We, and the first time we had, you know, first round we had Sarbanes-Oxley and then later on after the 2008, 2009 meltdown, we had uh, Dodd-Frank. And, you know, what that's done to the capital markets is as, as, the, as the guys that run these big organizations like Jamie Dimon will say at JP Morgan says, the regulation has created a moat around our business model to, and the capital needed and the regulation that you're gonna to have to put up with, you know, to start a small bank, you're gonna need a, you're gonna to have to fill a stack of forms out that run about three or four feet high and you're gonna need more capital than ever. So it's really shut down new entrants into the traditional banking businesses. But then what's happened and that relates to what's happening with Reddit is we got a lot of FinTech companies, a lot of companies that are operating outside of that and they're doing a lot of innovative things, which I think is all good. Um, I think the, the benefits of the small investor coming in with eyes open and they, if you read what they're saying, they're not, they're not buying, uh, uh, they're, they're not, they're not, there's no um, veil of, uh, uh, pink, they're not wearing pink rose colored glasses. I guess that was the word if I could date myself. They, they see what they're doing and they, they like taking them on. So I, I don't, I don't, the risk is a regulatory overreaction. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the, the thing that's interesting is there seems to be a political aspect to this where you've got the, oh, yeah. you've got the hedge funds and the hedge funds, I <clears throat> I think are now part of the establishment. Remember the 10 largest hedge funds, if you ran one of those, the guy was the, the guy or gal, I think they're all men, was making the least amount of money last year, was paid $377,000 million. And to be in the top five, you were making wow. $750 million a year. And yeah. so with that kind of money, you can guarantee that they're using it to, to, to buy political influence, to make sure that the regulators see their, see their model in the same way they can hire the very best lawyers, PR firms. And so I'm, I'm you know, I, I was kidding with Frank on the way, I guess technically I could be a member of, the, of this elite, but I'm kind of loving seeing the, the elite being gored here because- I, uh, I think you should join time. the Reddit group. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> I did, I did. I don't know you- Oh, good. I, did. I joined this morning. Oh, good, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I, I love, the thing that I love about all of this is the same people who hated Trump are the people who are like, yay, the little guy, you know? Yeah. Where Trump was all about the little guy. And, and fighting the establishment. And I want people to wake up and understand that they hated Trump for the reason that they love what's going on now. And there's the, the disconnect there boggles my mind. I yeah, just I, don't I, get that. Yeah, the, on top of that, okay, you think about all the things that like Facebook and Twitter did to Trump while he was in the office. <clears throat> what they were trying to do is get regulated. 
They were trying to bring on a regulatory environment over them. So because, you know, the that would create barriers to entry, you know, you know, you have parlor and all mm. these things. They're like racing around trying to keep any of that from getting caught up because if they can get their regulatory regime in place before a rival comes up, a rival won't be able to come up. Let me yeah, tie that into what tie tie then what the, what uh, the ratings on Google for uh, um, gosh, which are which are company here are uh, Robinhood. Robinhood. The ratings on Google for Robinhood, and they went from five stars to one star. And the ah, reason that happened yeah, was of course that, they did was that they they uh, stopped trading. They said, "Look, you can you can sell, but you can't buy." And so that's that's not exactly being a market maker. And all the small investors came on to on Google and started rating them, and they uh, they went from five to one in a in a heartbeat. And then Google came in and intervened and erased, erased all the uh, all the negative reviews. Now, what was that? They don't want to be no. looking like they're picking winners and losers. Well, <laughs> I mean, we all know, you know, they're willing to do charades that we all realize are charades. They have no compunction about that. Well, you know, they used to say you're you're not paranoid. They really are trying to come after they, you. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's a little bit like that. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know feel how Google felt like they needed to intervene here because, in in defense of what uh, Robinhood had to do, there's a there is a potentially good outcome here. The stock markets have a very still antiquated trading system based on the way things were done in 1920 or 50 or 60. We get a two day settlement, and there's lots of capital involved and in, in being a being a middle middleman in this world, and so uh, Robinhood really did need a couple billion dollars that it didn't have, and they could either stop trading or they could or they could go out of business. And so what they did. So was, it, it wasn't the man coming down telling them to stop this. To, uh, to and it wasn't the hedge funds telling them to stop it. It was a monetary reason. Their bank account was short and they couldn't do the payouts. That's the that's the putting the best light on it. That's the reason. Yeah. Now that's yeah. not if you go on to Reddit, that isn't what they think. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's the story I had heard is that the hedge funds came in and said you've got to shut this down. Well, I think they may have because the hedge funds may be invested in some of the venture funds that I mean, this is all very incestuous, guys. I mean, they all own the same stuff. And if you start like doing the connections, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You got some people that are long on it, short on it. Like it, it, it's on the one hand, they lost all this money. And then on the other hand, it's like, you know, GameStop is still owned 86% by institutions. Bill, why, why is shorting the market even legal? Why, explain why that's allowed. I don't understand that. Well, I think it's, it's, I think it's a good thing ultimately because it, it allows if you believe the market functions to set prices and you want to get an efficient way to figure out what something's worth, being able to buy it only uh, sends one signal. But if you can go in and you can sell it by borrowing somebody else's stock, which is how the short selling works. Right. Although sometimes there's something called naked short selling where you sell it short, but you don't even have the borrowed stock, which is illegal. I, how is that even possible? Well, do we have a couple hours? I could, I could <laughs> we're, 
it's complicated, but it's not that hard to do if you've been if you know your way around Wall Street. Uh, I, you know, short selling is is essentially it's like an it's it's sort of like why do we have options? Well, you want to be able to be able to make a price, make a market in something, without having to have physical ownership of it or take physical possession. And so, so short selling, as long as you've you know, you've been uh, you've been kosher and borrowed the stock and are playing by the rules, that's I think that's okay. Now, Frank pointed out the short interest in uh, Game stock at 50 million shares outstanding, and I think there was 70, 65 million short. So how do you, if you got 50 million outstanding, right. so, so there's a lot going on there that uh, is way outside the rules. So, you know, I think in the, in the short run, the, in the small quantity, short selling really is very good, but this is, you know, this one got really out of hand. And, you know, but it's not like they're the, the what Melvin guy is, is, I think he lost, what, $3 billion? And he was, you know, he went from 12 billion to 8 billion on his hedge fund. I mean, he's still got 8 billion left, so he's not that unhappy, but. Uh, well, then there was another 3 billion that he owes back to Citadel, uh, <laughs> where they helped him, you know, stay liquid. Well, and also he traded away the rev a lot of the revenue of his firm to get that money from Citadel. I mean, they, these guys don't give you the money. They, they, uh, they, they cut a deal and he cut a, he cut a, I think he cut a tough deal with Citadel. I don't know the details. So in your mind, what's the long play here? What ideally in Bill Walton's mind, how does this play out to where it helps us all helps our 401k? Cause really that's all we care about. I want to know that my 401k is going to be good in 10 years, 15 well, years. Well, I think the thing that's happening here is that there's a lot of transparency when you look into what's happening with Reddit and the uh, Wall Street bets group. I mean, you can see they're thinking, they're talking with each other. They're totally transparent in terms of how they're looking at the trade. On the other side of it, if you look at the hedge funds, they don't disclose anything. And you know, if you're running a public company, which I had the, the privilege to do for 14 years, you're, you're gonna have to report everything you know about that company every 90 days because of the quarterly disclosure. So there's lots of transparency there. And so one of the good possible outcomes here is they're going to be forcing more disclosure of what hedge fund positions are and with uh, and, 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 and more a closer look at naked short selling, which has been a problem for 30 years and that still is a problem and needs to be looked at again. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, the risk here is that we get the same reaction with Elizabeth Warren calling for more regulation I, th you know, I think I think AOC actually was on the side of the of the of the Reddit people, and then when she found out that Ted Cruz agreed with her, right, she changed her mind, yeah, and right. changed her mind, and then then accused Ted of trying to murder her. Maybe that was that before yeah. or after. A little uh, bit of a drama queen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that was some some. I think some spat they got into like a week or two ago or something like that. And, you know, yeah, you know. But the but the funny thing is, is that we're we're. The thing you see know about the markets is they change so quickly because as even as we're sitting here in in February second, and I'm going to give it a date because it 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 matters uh, to the story is that GameStop was what at 380 bucks last week. Yeah, it's 225 now. It closed oh, the no, week I, at 325. No, I think it's traded down below that. I think it was down 35 percent this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It got crushed again this morning, but I think it opened at. 
225 or something. Uh, the, the, the current trading price right now is 118 on GameStop. It's down almost 60%, wow. 70% wow. from when. Uh, um, from its high. Yeah. Uh, I, but is it still up from where it was before all this started? Well, yeah. it started, yeah. it was still seven up. bucks. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> And the, you know, the argument people have, well, this is, you know, this, this price has moved way beyond the fundamental value of the company. And the issue with that is you never really know what the fundamental value of a company is. And it's sort of who's to say, that's why you have a market. And the other thing we were back under the hedge funds is a huge percentage of hedge funds trade just on momentum. They don't care what the underlying asset is. All they want to know is right. what direction is it moving, how quickly is it moving, and how, how they can get a position um, in order to make some money. And they're willing to make money, uh, pennies, on vast, you know, on right. huge piles of capital because it, it adds up. So uh, the people that have criticized the Reddit people saying, well, they're bidding it up way beyond the fundamental value of the company, they knew that. I think they were playing the same momentum game the hedge funds were playing, except they were playing it long and some of the hedge funds were playing it uh, uh, short. That's a big theme of this is that <clears throat> these are guys doing what gets done to us all the time. Right. It goes exactly. on all the time. It's just different people doing it now. So let yeah. me ask you this. <clears throat> is, there, is there a possibility that internet investment groups like this end up running Wall Street they become the hedge fund managers. They become the powerhouses on Wall Street. Guys sitting at home in their robes and pajamas who play video games all night, then they're going to run Wall Street and our economy, a big portion of our economy. You mean they're not going to live in Greenwich Village or Greenwich, Connecticut and have, nope. have private estates? They're going to live in their mom's basement. <laughs> there might be too much, there's way too much vulgarity for, uh, for classical society. Here's the thing. It's here's the thing. It's mystifying about the hedge funds. And Ridge, you may be right. Where I'm going with this is that, you know, hedge funds when they were smaller, a, bit, a smaller piece of the market, really did quite well. You got a lot of bright people, and they would they would produce returns that were 10, 5, 10 percent better than than say the S and P, and that's because it was they they could they had a bigger landscape to make the, get their investment ideas from, and there were fewer players, and they had some differentiated advantages based on information you know they, they'd hire people to do research into things that none of us much think about so that they made more money good fast forward in the last five years maybe the last 10 years hedge funds have trailed the market by two percent if you were in uh, the s p 500 uh, you, you've gotten about at nine percent now maybe ten percent i'm based on the numbers i'm looking at seven hedge funds did seven and a half percent and so you ask yourself, why are we still in hedge funds? And I'm still in some. It's because you're looking backward at how well they did, um, you know, 10 years ago. Right. And then the other thing that's extremely annoying is that 370 million that these guys are, the top people are getting paid, they're getting it because they're getting 2% on, on their investable assets and they're getting a 20% carry on the profits. And so compare that 2% on your hedge fund to a uh, to a no load uh, mutual fund, uh, you know I think people are going to start asking the question why are we really paying it? So the way hedge funds I think have become less important as people start paying more attention to how they're actually uh, delivering results. 
Now I've got a, I got to drop a footnote to this. If you take something like Renaissance technology, which has developed an incredible algorithm um, to trade, they've been turning in returns 50, 60% for a couple of decades. So when I talk about the run of the mill hedge fund, I'm not talking about the people that have really figured it out, but you can't get into Renaissance and you can't get into it. I can't get into it. Maybe what ought to come out of this, maybe we, we've got five of us, six of us on the phone here. Maybe we ought to get our own little section of, of, of Reddit. Uh, I'm in. Not a bad yeah, idea. Uh, <laughs> what, what else should we talk about with this? Because it's a, it's a fascinating. I, can I ask a question about something you said a little while ago about the, the stock market having 50% less members or traders than it did 10 years ago or something what's what's the trend there and where does that go and what's the danger of there not being a wall street someday and the implications of that well there are four or five or six drivers one one is that it's uh it started with sarbanes oxley i think although it's hard to put a precise date on it, but when Sarbanes-Oxley was passed, you had your reporting requirements and the things you had to do to be public, it got a lot more expensive. And then yeah. at an earlier point in time, the small market makers, there are a lot of small brokerage firms and we had we had a rule where you could get, you know, where you, they were charging a quarter of a point to make a trade or an eighth of a point to make a trade and then the SEC and the, the regulators in their wisdom said, oh, you can only make a penny a trade. And so going from getting that bigger amount to just a penny and, and then even less, making a market in small cap stocks wasn't a good business anymore. So it was expensive to be public. Nobody wanted to make a market in your stocks. Uh, and then the other thing that happened, as I pointed out, is you had it's a, it's, a, it's a tough world out there. It's a predatory world. You got to produce results. And that's where the hedge funds made it very rough on, on these, these smaller companies. You miss a quarter and they'll take you all the way out and you just don't want to be public. And so that's the negative. Then the positive in terms of where these companies go is you got the rise of the venture capital industry. And a lot of the big companies that are a lot of big tech companies that used to go public like right away, like Microsoft did. Microsoft went public, I don't know, at some low valuation, like $100 million or $50 million, something like wow. that, which in that world is small, which meant that the public investors got a big ride on the future growth of uh, Microsoft. By contrast, uh, uh, and I think they went public within about three or four years. My, I, I'm fuzzy, I'm not precise about <clears throat> these numbers. But, uh, but Facebook, they waited eight years to go public and the venture funds that had the big investments made most of the money in that. And then Facebook goes public and the pu public investors only get to play um, at a much, much higher valuation. Uh, I was looking at something, some, some, some people say this might dwindle down to the only, only thing left are the huge uh, S and P 500 companies. And you've got kind of a feeding system where, Right. go from private equity or venture capital and they get big there and then they go public only after uh, after they've taken most of the most of the profitability away from it. Uh, I don't know, but that seems to be where it's going. But it uh, does it though. I mean, 
aren't we always predicting that the big are going to eat the small only to find out that the small find a way to survive? Well, that's, that's, the, that's I think, the, the lesson here is that if you look at what's happening with these small traders and with the markets that are being made here and the information that they're sharing with each other, I think it's possible that we could end up with a, with a resurgence of smaller, smaller companies with these smaller groups of investors, assuming the regulators let it happen. So, you know, here's a, here's a good stat. So uh, the, uh, the DART, the daily active retail traders. So, you know, people, individuals, in 2019, it was about 10% of uh, all the stock daily stock market activity. In uh, in December of 2020, that number is up to 25%. So it's like you've got more individual, you know, investors now more than ever. And I think as you see, as you see more and more, like you know, like the barrier to entry in terms of like you know, com, you know, zero commissions across the board. You know, I, I remember when I started on TD Ameritrade, like just to make just to make one trade in like 2007, you'd have to pay, spend $6 and 25 cents. And that was on a discount. So, you know, you really had to think about what you were doing, especially if you had a small amount of money. Um, but now it's, you know, you can, you know, if you don't have enough money to buy Tesla, you can buy, you know, one eight hundredth of a, you know, of a share in Tesla if you really wanted to. Right. And right. I think you're going to see a lot more of this momentum and things like that going back and forth. You know, as, as people say, you know, yeah, I, I can actually get into this. And it's not this big, scary thing um, that, you know, because everyone always says, oh, you're going to lose your shirt. You're going to lose your shirt. You know, it's it's terrifying. It's scary. It's all this kind of good stuff. You know, you know, give your money to the bank because they'll they'll they know how to handle it better. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that, uh, you know, a lot, you know, it's it's it, you don't have to be as smart as everyone thinks you got to be to, uh, you know, at least. Well, you know, say, hey, I want to participate. And, and, the wall, and the guys on Wall Street are not that much smarter. I mean, maybe they're not even smarter than, at all. I think we got that proven this past week. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, honestly think fundamentally there will have to be a change. Um, kind of going back to GameStop and, um, you know, the, the amount of short positions that they had, um, Melvin, that is, um, had is, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the only way that massive of a position would work is if no one would know about it for as long as possible. <laughs> and we're talking about a group of people who grew up on going to GameStop and, you know, choosing their games and whether it's Pokemon or whether it's other more shooter games, it doesn't matter. They grew up on it. And now all these guys are in their 20s and 30s and they're online 24-7 consuming massive amounts of information, partially because of COVID, but partially because that's who they are, because that's where they feel the most comfortable. That's their home. So they sit there and they find all all these things and that information is public. So they just went for, you know, you only live once and let's fix this part. <laughs> and that's, this is for them, it was very unfair and something that they felt like needs to be fixing and they went for it. So 
I honestly believe that this is a first situation of many coming up because of how abundant the information is and how easy it is to find now. I so agree. Uh, you know, when I ran my public company, I had a duel with the short seller and boy, I wish I had read it then because <laughs> the problem was you didn't have any way to develop a constituency on the other side of the argument. And if we could, if we could achieve one thing out of this, I would, I would say that word's transparency. And so now you've got millions of people that are beginning to trade in this and they've got information, but yet you've got this class of investors, the hedge funds, who have no transparency at all. And so there would be a real, I think a real, a real populist, maybe that's the wrong word, but a real demand for transparency for everybody in the market. And if everybody's got the same transparency, uh, uh, level playing fields, a better market, more people can participate and feel like they're getting a fair shake. I think a lot of, you know, what's getting argued now is that you know, what these people did was wrong. You know, what they did to the institutional investors was wrong. And it's like, you know, it's not, there's no wrong. You know what I mean? It's these, these guys, these guys, the institutional investors can take care of themselves. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the amount of people who are like crying for them and trying to protect their rights and plant the flag. Well, and, here's, here's the other thing is you, the, in, in the, in the journalism business and the financial news business, NBC, or CNBC, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Bloomberg, whatever, they trade in information. And what the hedge fund world does very effectively is they feed these guys information and stuff about this company or this story or this CEO. And so they develop tremendously strong relationships with the reporters and the on-air people. And so when you watch CNBC, you can, you can kind of watch, you can watch them react to who they're really hearing from. And who they're hearing from are the big institutions and the hedge funds. Well, and, and you see that, uh, like, you know, on Monday, uh, all of the news agencies were sitting there saying, um, you know, oh, Reddit's targeting silver now. Reddit's going, you know, big into silver. And, you know, that's the next big hype train and everything like that. And then if you read Reddit, literally everyone on Reddit saying, we're not saying anything about silver. We don't have enough money to move that market. We don't have anything like that. And in fact, like Smart. Citadel Capital is the fourth largest shareholder of silver. Don't, you know, like this is not something that we're doing. We're only doing GameStop and AMC. Like anything else is, is, is bots and fraudulent and not endorsed by us. What they're not, not that they're endorsing anything any, any, anyway, but not one of the plays that they're making. Okay. Well, um, to be continued, this saga is not going to end today. It's going to go on for a while, and there's a lot more that we could be able to get into. Any other last thoughts anybody has wants to? Uh, well, if not, uh, you know, thanks everybody for listening. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, let us know on, on Twitter and Facebook uh, where you can find The Bill Walton Show. And for previous episodes, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and of course at thebillwaltonshow.com where I hope you will subscribe to the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. 
In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.